Thank you for listening to the Following Films podcast. Today I'm joined by director, writer, Duncan Birmingham. I had him on the show today to talk about his latest film, Who Invited Them, which is currently available on Shudder and AMC+. We also talk about his work on the IFC series, Marin. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Hey, Chris. Hey, Duncan. How are you today? Good, good. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine. Oh, great. Let me uh, should I, let me try and put in these earphones. I don't know if that matters or not. See if it, that... it shouldn't make any difference. I can okay. hear it segments out the sound, so you should be good. Okay, great. Yeah, this mic uh, seems like this mic uh, helps a lot. I just got this. Okay, great. How you doing? Where are you? I'm in Tucson, Arizona. How about yourself? Okay, okay that's what I thought. I'm in uh, Los Angeles. How are things going? How was your weekend? Uh, the weekend weekend was pretty good. The weekend was pretty good. Hold on, are we are we already recording? Not that I'm I just kind of go go into it, but yeah. Okay, I was gonna go see Pavement, and then I didn't go. I got a little. I'm in a wedding. Oh and I, man! I'm in a wedding in a few days, and all of a sudden I was like, Ah, is it bad if I go to the wedding? I'm gonna be worried all week. I got COVID. It was like one of the. I thought I was over like not doing things because of COVID. I pretty much do everything, but this was I don't know. I don't know. I already had a couple. We had a screening for the movie. Uh, three weeks ago and the whole week I was like I've got COVID I've got I'm not gonna be able to go to the screening I've got COVID so my own my own neuroses not really caring about yeah yeah uh, anyway, I mean it's good went to a barbecue uh the heat waves kind of over out here so every everything is good good in the hood break uh protocol going for pavement that's not a terrible reason to do it I mean it's been 30 years I think since I've seen them but they were amazing when I saw them so I know, I know. I did get to see them at the Hollywood Bowl once. Maybe that was 10, 10 years ago, I think. That must be the other. But uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Anyway, I'm going to Roxy Music in two weeks. Very excited. Oh, yeah. I uh, You you get everything. Live music in Arizona. It's uh, kind of a crapshoot if we if we get it or not. Even though we're not that far away if you're touring to, to swing through here. but. And are you a musician? I see a couple of uh, guitars. No, I'm not a musician. I enjoy playing, but I, I wouldn't call myself that. It's a, I, I will. It's the same way that I do write sometimes, but I wouldn't call myself a writer necessarily. Um, I enjoy playing though, for sure. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'm impressed with anyone who who uh, plays an instrument. Well, I'm impressed with anybody who. And look at this segue. Um, who makes a film? Um, oh, good. All, just good one. smooth, smooth. <laughs> um, and there's so many things that can go wrong in the making of a film so that if anybody can watch something, make something that's even watchable, I think that's kind of a minor miracle. But if you can make something that is as complicated as your film, um, I think that's something that's really impressive that really just stands out to me where you're able to balance these tones. A lot of films try, but very few are as successful as you are with this. I think that your balance of comedy and horror and thriller is just incredible in this film. Well, I I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. I was uh, had a couple very lucky, lucky, lucky gifts. One was the cast. One was the crew. One was my great producer. Just really uh, a team effort. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm glad people like the movie. You know, I, I the first time I saw it with an audience, and I've only seen it a few times. With the, was at the Overlook Film Festival in New Orleans. Oh, nice, that was a lot of fun, but. I was, you know, I was sweating. I was like, are people, is this, is this going to be rejected? Is there not enough gore? Uh, so the people have been really, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the horror community, which is like the best of the film communities, uh, has been very welcoming. So, so far, so good. So far, so good. 
Well, it's I, I knew I was in good hands pretty early on um, because I, I'm always I see a lot of stuff as you can imagine, and I'm sure the same way. And there's that thing where I, whether I'm being conscious of it or not, I'm always trying to keep myself like three steps ahead. Like I can kind of see where this is going. I've been down this path before. And the opening of the film, I had this expectation of where it was going, but then you go into your credit sequence and it completely undershot everything that I thought the movie was going to be from the cinematography, the way that it changed to the font that you used. It was the font on your credits really, I think, laid something out here that felt like, no, this is not the movie you thought you were going to watch. So just hang back. I'm going to give you something a little bit different here. It felt like you were really setting up the audience for something that maybe they weren't expecting. Oh, that's great. I love to hear that. Yes, the, the, there was a lot of talk about the font. There was a lot of talk about the color of the font. I, I yep. think the very first time we kind of screened it for a couple people, you know, I had these blood red fonts and I was like, then then we I was like, I think we might be over over promising on bloodshed here. So that kind of cool uh, neon purple, like you're going to a slightly sketchy nightclub felt like the the vibe. Yeah, and, and it, it absolutely is. It feels... Um... Uh, it, it's something that between that and the music that's playing underneath that it is. Yeah. I, I don't know what you would call this film and I'm okay with that. It's something that I would feel very comfortable in recommending this to people that maybe aren't as comfortable with the the horror genre, but I think the horror fans will definitely embrace this as well. Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. I, I love those kind of like odd hybrid movies i remember probably my first one of my first in the in the theater experiences was going with my mom to see the king of comedy because oh, amazing movie. Kid, i love jerry lewis and and uh, i hadn't seen that many non-animated films so we went to the theater and my mom likes de niro so we we thought this was going to be a good time and i remember the usher telling us like a lot of people had asked for their money back this is in boston thinking it was a jerry lewis movie or a regular anyway we were like the only ones in the theater and it was just like very tense i was a little kid i didn't know what was going on i can't say i enjoyed it but i did remember it and could not shake that movie and then watched it you know a little older and, and really enjoyed it but but that kind of those types of films where you're not sure if you're are you allowed to laugh. Uh, I love I love things that are kind of anxiety inducing. Um, so that was that was always one of our uh, anxiety and feeling uncomfortable was uh, because so much of of the movies about you know social mores that was kind of one of our our touchstones. This movie absolutely has a moral center to it. Um, I. I watched this weekend was Barbarian. Now, oddly enough, they feel like a really good pairing these two films with each other because they are um, they characters at the center of them that have a clear moral point of view, um, one that you can agree with or disagree with. But it's always interesting to explore those ideas in that way. And I I felt like you did something very early on that in this film that. I'm not sure that people can appreciate how hard it is. The speech that uh, Ryan gives with the hashtag at the end of it is one of those moments where it's so unlikable what he's doing in that moment, but it's unlikable because I can see myself in that moment, (laughs) that trying to impress my boss, trying to say the right thing and just failing miserably. And it's something that's, it's kind of, sometimes you can hold a mirror up and it's very uncomfortable and it's almost the reflection that you're getting back of yourself that you're not liking what you're seeing in that way. So it was a, yeah, it kind of that. There's the douche in me that I was seeing in that moment. Oh, thank thank you for for pointing that out. And it's also very much the douche in me. Obviously, uh, you're all the characters, but you know, and, and most people seem to get it and 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 seem to 
recognize themselves in uh, Adam and Margot's characters, you know, but there have been a few people who are like, oh, God, that Adam character just want to strangle him. And, I, they, you know, I take that personally because I'm, I'm like really like <laughs> half of his dialogue is, is stuff that's come right out of my mouth um, in terms of having a party. Oh, God, did it go well? Did it, it was yeah. a bust? Um, and uh, got, got very, very lucky with Ryan Hansen, who could, you know, to me, sell anything. I mean, he just is, uh, could, you know, comedy, action, romantically, he's, he's, he just can do anything. So uh, he was uh, amazing. Oh, all, all four of the, uh, he is phenomenal. And all four of your actors here, really at the center of this film, um, are incredible. Because and if any one of them, this is really just that four-legged table. If any of them wasn't there and showing up and pulling their weight, the whole thing is going to collapse under the weight of that. They all have to be there. I literally say that same sentiment, the four-legged table. Yeah, the four-legged table. I remember hearing Oliver Stone talk about that for um, uh, Natural Born Killers. I think yeah. he intended to, uh, although it seems like that would be a five-legged table. Maybe he was counting uh, 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 Mickey and Mallory as one, you know, because then he's got Tommy Lee Jones, Tom Sizemore, and Robert Downey Jr. So he said it to Tom Sizemore. He's like, he's like, you know, you got to be as strong as, as Tommy Lee and Robert Downey here because you're you know, you're, you're sharing the screen with them. Um, uh, yes, yes. And a, a lot of people have asked um, if, if the actors knew each other beforehand um, because they, you know, I mean, they seem like they're this like well-oiled uh, troupe that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, is off some great improv stage or something. Yeah. They didn't know each other beforehand. This was a indie, indie as indie as maybe not as indie as it could be, but pretty, pretty damn indie yeah. in terms of, uh, and, and certainly for, for, for these actors, they're the most indie thing I think they've, they've done if not ever, but in years. So, you know, they, they met at the wardrobe, a very chaotic wardrobe fitting. We had a zoom and then, uh, just hit the ground running with the movie and, uh, and they're all friends. They're all on a, a text chain. I wish I, I wish I was on the text chain, like a, a you know, cool kids hang out text chain and, uh, and, and they, uh, all, um, uh, not not only were also great, but also uh, in in very they're very different different performances. Um, they, they they but in a way that that's that feels real, not like they're in four different movies. Uh, and and th those are those are types of the hard things. I mean, everything is hard with directing. So I've never directed a movie before, but but um, you know, having the, the there's no way I, I would have no idea how to direct the actors to be uh, that much different, but also, uh, of, of the same piece, um, if that makes any sense. Um, so that, that was another real gift from the cinema gods for this one. Yeah. It, it's, that's, it's so small. Some of those adjustments as big as this movie gets, and it gets very big at moments. It's those small little moments. Like you were talking about the rundown of the night afterwards where the couple's talking to each other. And that's absolutely something that me and my wife have done. And we still do. We can have two people at our house and we're going to have that conversation every single time we have people over. It's just, that's part of what we do. And it felt like in those feelings of jealousy. Now, granted, I haven't been that way in a long time, but if you go back to the 20 year old version of me, I absolutely have been in that headspace before. And I understand that. And it's just all these different elements that just feel so natural and so lived in. Even the interactions on the high end of the more, um, you know, the Tom and Sasha, their interactions with each other feel very natural and they feel like there is a relationship that's been there for years. And you're just kind of picking it up in the middle. The fact that you don't, they have cues for each other, but you don't really go into the meaning of the cues like a lot of other films would and give everything away in the same way. And I really appreciate that about this. Well, that's 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 great to hear. Yeah. Like I said, they really had great actors who hit the ground running. One of the few conversations we really even had a chance to have beforehand was uh, in terms of Tom and Sasha, how much of the evening is planned out, how much 
is them thinking on their feet. And I always thought of them as, um, as almost like uh, Im- improvisational actors, um, like you are sometimes with your siblings or best friends, or they're not only performing a little bit um, for, for Adam and Margo, but also performing for each other. Yeah. And- uh, and kind of keeping this 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 ball up in the air and passing it back and forth, um, like like great uh, improv actors do, and 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 so in in that case, in that respect, yeah, it felt uh, we didn't want to explain too much, and hopefully people would just, uh, especially by the end of the film, get the fact that they have some history and uh, and that you know part of the evening is is planned and part is uh, improvisational, and 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 that's what uh, I think makes them so fun to watch. And with that in mind, and I don't want to spoil the film for anyone that hasn't seen it, and I highly recommend if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the film, sign up for Shudder if you don't have it already. You can get a trial for like 30 days, and it's only $5.99 a month if you just watch it. It's worth your time. Highly recommend it. I've also been realizing a lot of people have – I didn't know what – I didn't even know what – AMC Plus, you also get it. I have it on my Amazon, and most people seem to have it on Amazon. So, but Shutter Shutter is great, especially with Halloween coming up. I don't I don't I don't work for Shutter. I just watch like a four hour documentary series on folklore horror. They got oh, it's great. Yeah, it's I fantastic. Know, I like folklore horror, and now I'm like I wrote down like thirty movies. I was like, <laughs> oh, this, it, it was such a great doc. Absolutely, and it, it's it's it, yeah. At the very least, hang hang out for through the end of next month. I mean, it's that time of year. So, but the to get to kind of a tiptoe around something with the idea of what was planned and what wasn't planned in my mind, it felt like the transition was planned in my mind. And I don't know if they had always intended on going across the street to this next house that they were trying to elevate things in this house to repeat something that happened earlier. Was that the case or was that something that was, um, you know, it's, it's, it's left a little ambiguous, but I had always not to be coy, but I had always thought, um, and, and one of the very few other discussions we had of, of, had time to have about the characters before we started shooting was this idea that uh, Tom and Sasha do do really pivot, uh, as, as Tom says, because uh, Adam and Margot, for all their flaws, do seem like a solid couple. They they do enjoy them. Um, yeah. there, there, there is real bonding there, which is it's, it was so hard, you know, such a hard thing for a, an actor to play. And they did, this, you know, so well conning someone, but also being a. Uh, taken in by them on a genuine level so so i did feel like they uh tom and sasha uh when they leave the house uh are pivoting are being improvisational they've said they live next door and it just so happens that they've had this uh this grudge against the neighbor for years so they're 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 kind of uh they're kind of doing an improvisational dance and almost um almost in the same way that uh if a you know a date doesn't go well and you're all revved up they came to the house with with carnage in mind, and if it's not going to be Adam and Margot, there might be uh, someone else that uh, they're all revved up up for. Uh, you know, no, that that makes perfect sense, and um, speaks to a piece of the morality uh, that's at the center of this film. And there's some really good parenting advice in this. As a parent of two, um, something that you can take away that little bit that it's just the idea that when there can be these unintended consequences that come about and just be aware of the way that you talk to your kids and that they, they, these two people agonists are highly moral people. Really. Um, if you think about it, the fact that they make a promise halfway through the film um, involving property that they make good on. And it's something that at the end of the film, that when 
um, there's kind of that twist reveal. It was something that I was really hoping would be there in the end. Cause when he said this thing, I believed him and I'm glad that he did at the end of the film. Oh, good. Yeah. I feel like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, they're hopefully feel very unique, like very unique characters. I mean, the, the movie could be called like, you know, how Adam and Margot get their groove back a little bit. Uh, and it's, it's partly because of, of Tom and Sasha. So while they, uh, they, they certainly obviously have some problems uh, and are, uh yeah and have violent tendencies I, I think you can you can also still maybe uh gleam a little bit of of good advice from them which which adam and margo have so I, I i like that you also like that and then is this something where when you're making a film like this the balance between the elements here how conscious of you are you of pulling back on the horror and you know adding to the comedy and making sure that you're not taking away from tension with moments of comedy or vice versa or comedy by having it too tense. Well, oh, and, and uh, Chris, you did just cut out for a second. I don't oh. know if you heard that. Uh, you've, you've cut out a couple of times, but hopefully that's okay. Um, I think it should be okay on my end because I'm recording directly, but I, yeah, I can always go back and fix it if I need to. Sorry. Um, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, I really tried to, um, while we were shooting and uh and and while we were in the edit you know try and and uh kind of stick to always going for tension um and and that's kind of a double-edged sword because tension you know feeds comedy but tension also feeds horror um and as we got a little uh into the edit a little more you know we we like this idea of kind of a, a little more laughs in the first half and a little darker in the second half that that was kind of the idea so maybe we we didn't always kind of go right for the tension but 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 that was kind of the idea was was not to sacrifice we we could sacrifice other things but to try and keep the 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 tension up in the air and that would hopefully feed both sides of it because if you yeah like you said if 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 the if the script has um um, I don't know. I mean, belly laughs or, or the comedy is just a, a, a little too broad. Uh, then it would it would feel like maybe some of the more horrific things that happen in the movie would not land as much, and and vice versa. Or at least that's that's how I feel when I see a movie that um, uh, you know is is has has dark laughs, but is also tense. Yeah, and it's um, it's something where it feels. Today's episode of the Following Films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So earlier today, when I went into Bookman's, I was thinking about the conversation I was having earlier today, and I just wanted to check out a movie that maybe was a genre film, but had a little bit more on its mind. Something that was a horror film, maybe something that had a political or social commentary underneath it. And when I walked into Bookman's, I happened to come across the 4K edition of Candyman. Uh, the one that Scream Factory put out earlier this year, and it's a phenomenal set. I'm really looking forward to watching it tonight. But today I'm joined by my son, Jacob, who had some questions about Candyman, the movie. When he was looking at uh, the Blu-ray cover, he had some questions. So let's kind of go through those right now. So Jacob, come here. Yes. Uh, what is your first question about this Candyman? Um, um, what? What happens if you say your, his name five times? That's a that's a good question, because on the bottom of the Blu-ray case, it says, we dare you to say his name five times. So if you look in a mirror in the movie and you say Candyman five times, Candyman will appear. He'll come there. And you'll kill. Oh, well, wow. Um, I, I didn't tell you that, but yeah, that, that's, that's what would happen. 
Because this is make-believe. It's not a real thing that happens. This is just a story. It's just pretend. Good, good, good. So Candyman shows up in the room and then lights out. So do you have any other questions about the uh, the Blu-ray case here that you're looking at? Uh, why is there a bee right there? Okay, that's a good question. So the bee is there because Candyman, uh, well, what do you think? Well, if you had to, if you were going to watch this movie, if you had to think, why would there be a bee there? What do you think is going on in this picture? I think a, um, a bee affected him. That's right. He, he was bitten by bees. That's right. Yep. That's that's why there's a bee there because the candy man was bitten by bees. And and means so, means means he would kill the bees that did that. Well, no, not necessarily. But so, do you have any other questions about this on here? Um, why is he in the eye? Oh, that's candy man. That's just a reflection. So this is this eyeball right here. It represents there's a woman who's looking in the mirror, and then she can see Candyman in the mirror also. So I think that's what that's trying to portray. So I have a question for you about this movie. Do you think this is a movie that a kid should watch? No. Is this a movie that you ever think you'll watch? When you're a grown up, do you ever want to see Candyman? Yes. When you're a grown up? Okay, cool. As long as it's not too horrifying. It's not that bad. It's a lot of fun. Mom loves this movie. I love this movie. So we're going to probably watch this later tonight. How, wait, but how do you know all this stuff? How do I know all this about it? Well, because I like movies a lot. And that's why I have a movie podcast so that I can talk about movies. And why do you actually know all about what's in this movie? Because I've seen it a bunch of times. Oh. Um, the classic one, like part one? Yeah, well, there's actually, there's four Candyman movies. There's uh, three that star Tony Todd, who's that guy right there. He's actually, Tony Todd is a really well-respected genre actor. I like him a lot. In fact, we're connected on Twitter, and we end up talking about music a lot. So, really nice guy. He's not scary at all, the guy who plays Candyman in real life. And then there was a remake that was done, or I guess it's kind of a sequel to it, that was done recently, came out last year, that's really, really good. Or a couple years now, I guess, it's, it's been out for. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out. But a new yeah, yeah. question. Why is there a Broadway deal? Well, that just makes it a little bit more horrifying. So, I think we need to get back to the interview. Why don't you uh, just go ahead and say thank you for listening to the show to the people. Listening to the show. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Enjoy the rest of the show. Feels more like real life. Characters are funny. They do react to it when there's moments that are amusing. They they are a part of that. They're in on the joke when things are happening. You can see them exchanging glances. You can see when something is like the line that stands out to me, it's a sexy funeral, something like that. You can see them smiling and those kind of these lines that come out, they do one thing in comedy that always bothers me is when that exists in a vacuum and somebody's hilarious, but nobody's reacting to it. You can feel that here that um, when Sasha and Tom are amusing each other, that they're reacting to one another and that, even though this is something that's actually driving, you know, Margot or Adam nuts in the moment that it's something that's really making them uncomfortable. You can tell that there's a little bit of this something in their eyes. It's very small, but you can see it there. Um, yeah, I love their little looks to each other are so great. And uh, and even with Adam, you know, Ryan's character employs a lot of comedy, yeah. but a lot of that comes from his either, you know, in some scenes he's trying to impress Tom and in the party scene, he's desperately trying to impress people. And, and when you're, you know, when you're that nervous and keyed up, everything's a little bigger. Yep. 
And Melissa Tang as Margot was able to really ground that uh, because she's kind of rolling her eyes at him and shaking her head over how how big and like over the top he can get sometimes. So so I like that, too, when when, you know, characters feel smarter to me on screen when they are acknowledging their their own uh, their own jokes. And I, I also feel like um, I seem to enjoy horror movies where there is is some humor because it, it does feel like so many of the scary things in life are things. The, the scariest thing is is recognizing the fear. Is is this a home invasion or or am I just being paranoid? Like, uh, you know, is this guy walking down the street, uh, you, you know, at the middle of the night? Like, is this guy mugging me or am I being paranoid and he's just going to walk right by me? And if, if I'm with a friend, I might acknowledge it somehow with a joke. Um, yeah. You kind of dismiss, dismiss these things or, or deal with the fear with with humor, or, or at least I feel like I do. So uh, so that that kind of uh, spirit was hopefully in the movie. Oh, for sure. And if you ever go see a movie that's scary in a theater and the whole audience just jumps at something and every, it grabs everybody that exact moment, there's almost inevitably, almost every time, there's going to be laughter afterwards just because we were all taken aback by it. We were all just had the, our hair knocked back and it's like, oh, there's that's the relief. That's the natural build from that. It's like, oh, no, we're actually okay. Wasn't that ridiculous? We all thought that we were actually in something for a moment. And it's just... I think that your film acknowledges that in a way. Oh, good, good. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. Um, there also seemed to be something, um, there's something, you know, not uh, post-COVID because we're in COVID, but in the in the COVID era or whatever we are, hopefully we're in the tail end. Um, there's something about parties that seems even more kind of fraught and kind of anxiety yeah. inducing and and, uh, you know, I, I used to have a St. Patrick's Day party every year. I haven't had it for a few years, hopefully this year. Um, but there's something about it. It's like, wow, like anyone could just walk into your walk into your house. You don't even know these people. And at the same time, um, everyone seems, you know, much more, at least I am, much more socially awkward and, and un, unsure of boundaries now. So so there, that was something that kind of came into play as we were filming. So we were, we were filming on a, you know, a, a, a covid compliance set but obviously that's a big part of it everyone's got a mask on and and that that kind of uh i don't know real world pandemic fear kind of infused itself into the metaphor of the movie a, a little bit i think oh for sure absolutely and there's um another thing timeless with the film is this idea that we can be polite to our own detriment sometimes that we just we assume that people walked in the door they must belong there they must be a part of this that you would never question it in that kind of environment where, um, you know, me and my wife, we've been together for 14 years now, but there's people I work with that she's maybe seen in face to face once or twice. So there could easily be people if I was inviting people from work to our home that she wouldn't recognize. And if we had a party like that, that could absolutely happen. That feels utterly grounded in reality. And I think that our, our not wanting to make a scene in that moment, in those moments would absolutely be something that we would do. And just, you wouldn't question somebody if they were there until that, who are these last people? And that's when they do it at that moment. Yeah, I, 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 I like that. My politeness could certainly be the, the death of me. In fact, I've never even made this connection before, but I was mugged, uh, oh God, like 20 years ago when I first moved to LA and I, I was I was I was pulling into my a parking lot outside my apartment and I saw this guy and he looked sketchy. I didn't want to be judgmental. I could have just like not even but the, like the moment I kind of opened the door a little bit to get out, he jerked the door open. He had a gun. Everything was fine. I gave him my wallet. But there was a split second where I probably just should have gone with my gut and been like, 
who's this sketchy guy with glassy eyes who looks like he's going to mug me? I, you know, I don't, I don't need to worry about offending that guy. Yeah. I think that we, uh, people of a similar, similar ilk, that's what we go through. That's the process that we have that we don't want to let our fear be offensive to people. And that that slight would be more important than protecting ourselves. And I'm, I'm sorry that you were mugged in that moment, but I tend to want to live in a world where I know bad things happen, but I, I don't know. I, I find it better not to act in a way that I need to carry a gun or anything like that, or be that scared of the world around me. Just be aware of it, I guess, is the, is what I try to do. Yes, I, I would agree with that. I had no, no, no harm, no foul after my mugging. Just try and be careful. I, I it was forgotten after very quickly. Uh, I'd also had a couple margaritas, so it wasn't as traumatic as it sounds. Um, but, you know, in another idea in, in the movie, uh, you know, Adam and Margot ha- are, are, are also kind of bending over to be be so polite because they feel like they are getting something out of. Yeah, Tom that's true. This kind of idea of like how much. Uh, BS, how much gruff, how much, uh, how much you're going to take from someone that you are feeling like uh, you could get something out of. And I, I feel like that's something I deal with, you know, every day, whether in, in a social setting or in work. Um, and when I've talked to people about the movie, that that also seems uh, fairly, fairly relatable. Well, I think any one of us um, that finds ourselves on either side of that, where you can feel that there's something be able to offer somebody else so you can feel a disingenuousness about them about you can be on that side where you're trying to get somebody something from somebody and then afterwards after that interaction it just never sits well with me that if i feel like i wasn't being my true self in that moment that i was trying to manipulate the way that i looked or the way that i was speaking or some the way that i was conveying something to try to gain something from it, that it maybe I wasn't being forthright in those moments. They never feel good. And that's something that's utterly relatable in here that you could totally see yourself being. Yeah. And that, that feels like kind of the, maybe the biggest lesson imparted to uh, Adam and Margot's characters uh, that isn't, isn't said, but maybe uh, understood. Uh, it's hard to imagine them having a party where Adam, uh, Adam uh, in particular would be bending over backwards to impress anyone uh, after this. No, and I, and I think that Margot is the one that sort of, there's that, you can feel there's a fire relit in her at the end of this film that maybe had kind of died out a little bit. And there's that, that she's re-engaged, I think, with her life again at the end of this. I feel like there's, I feel like she might be getting the band back together again, for yeah, lack yeah. of a better term for metaphorically and literally yeah that that was that was the idea it just it's it, and we also uh, we had a great music supervisor dan wilcox and and that was with with uh he's on the radio out here on kcrw with very little money for music you know that was one of the vibes we wanted to hit we we're like we want we want to feel current but also this is a couple who's like getting their kind of party heyday of of 10 yeah. or 12 you know, reawakened by this couple. So we also want the music maybe to feel like a slight throwback, a very, very uh, uh, small bullseye to hit that he did such a good job with, I think, with the five songs in the in the movie. Um, but yeah, I think Margot's uh, Margo's getting her her, uh, her 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 band back together in some form. And I think that will be also it might be a little bumpy with Adam in the beginning. But sure. in my, my mind, in my mind, it was always uh, for the betterment of the marriage in, in general that she's going to be happier and he's going to treat her uh they're going to be a little more on equal footing uh so so again another thing we talked about was for, for me it always felt like they were you know they were a good couple um they, they are a good couple i agree i agree completely i actually really like that i'm, I'm pulling for them 
Yeah. Um, it goes back and forth when you're watching the film. There were moments early on where I felt like I'm actually enjoying this other couple a little bit more. But then as you go along, you actually, oddly enough, through this interaction, you get to know these two people and the flaws that have been presented early on a little bit better. And it grounds them in a way by seeing them in this traumatic event. And I think that it endears them to the audience. But I, I did have a very specific question. Um, are you a record guy? Or is that part of this autobiographical? Um, you know, I mean, I, I I have some records. I do have a record player. So I guess technically I'm a record guy, but I am not a audiophile at all. My my records are like old, like one or two dollar records are all, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm I am I am not. I'm more I'm more am in awe of those record file types uh you know i i love going over to a friend's house let let them have the expensive uh, vinyl collection and take good care of it and stuff and they play me songs um so kind of a kind of a half and i mean that that was the uh that part of the movie is all very aspirational the house the beautiful record player the pool i guess that you know like i said i am an adam at heart um uh so so a little bit aspirational uh, uh vinyl head what about you I feel like you uh, play around there somewhere. I, I well, I was up until very recently. Sorry, the dogs are going nuts in the background right now. That's right. I've got my dog here. I'm surprised. Oh, he must be asleep. He's asleep. The kids are about to come home from school right now. So, um, yeah, they're they're letting us know. But the uh, used to be actually up until maybe four months ago, and it just started to take up too much space. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I. I'm a movie guy first and there's literally thousands of movies that I've had to move into the garage now and taken up multiple walls and building it out. And I didn't want to end up that way with records. Also. Um, I do like phys- physical media, but really um, I-, I wanted to have room for one collection and I chose movies over music. So I let it all go this year. Oh my goodness. That's so dramatic. Okay. I love it. Love it. Well, all right. Yeah. I'm getting overtaken with books here and I feel like I got to, I got to, are you so are you a book collector where you go after specific editions kind of thing or are these more just um all the books that you read that you No, no, it's it's more just all the books I read and then I'm afraid to let them go cuz I'm like, well, how am I going to remember if I re- wrote the read the book or not? I got to keep it some some I got to have some kind of, you know, uh documentation of this. I guess now I'm on Goodreads so I won't forget, but I I I do find myself like I love a lot. Um so yes, uh no, you know, I mean I, I guess at a used bookstore, maybe sometimes I'll, I'll pick something up that seems a little rare or an old cover that I like. But yeah, not a collector in any kind of formal sense. So I guess I have a lot of signed books, which is always nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just find that um, a lot of the books that I have, because I'm willing to let them go once I've read them. Um, it's just there's this stack of books that's constantly yelling at me that I haven't read them yet. And um don't feel as aggressive when they're in the Kindle that they can to eventually and i think i need the nudge in life i need the physical thing in real life telling me that i need to get back to this there's a point in time when you wanted to read the mike nichols book why haven't you gotten around to it yet so, so it's just good. so good i know i i know i know it's i'm gonna love it since that author's other book the the pictures at the pictures at a revolution yeah mark harris is a very smart really, i can see the yellow cover right there it's it's yeah I, I have that one that that one i have read though that that's a great one but yes and I keep, uh, yeah, but on on my stack of books on my bedside table, I have, even though I have read it, I still keep Helter Skelter, uh, just to remind me to lock my doors at night. Since have, <laughs> you know, that feels very who invited them, because yeah, someone can just waltz in at any moment. <laughs> That's very true. I've never heard of that uh, using a book as a um, 
home invasion deterrent, but that's a, not a bad one to, to, to use for sure. Better than an alarm system. So cheaper, I, I would say. For sure. I see behind you, you have the note cards, the multicolored note cards oh. there. Is that what you're working on next? You're planning it out. Oh, God. That is, I guess it is what I'm working on next, but those note cards are so from like five versions ago of what I'm working on that I'm scared to even go over there and, and look at them. Uh, I'm close to re-breaking the story on note cards. So uh, I, I work in, in mostly in TV, so I'm pitching a, a couple TV projects, but I am uh, 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 in the in the swamp of writing a, a new movie um, that, that um, uh, has a slasher element, has kind of a rom-com element. Um, so it is not going well, but, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully I'm close, close to well, going well. The, the writing isn't going well or is, the is writing that... isn't going well? No, no. I, but I mean, that's probably who invited them did, did come a little quicker than most, uh, scripts. I think by the, the nature of it taking place in one night, um, it, you know, it felt like it was like two or three big ideas that had to come. And, and then once those were there, it, it was a little easier than most scripts. Um, this, especially because I, I want it to be violent, but I also do want there to be like a love story in it. Um, uh, yeah, it's a little, it's been a little tricky, but, but, uh, yeah, it'll get there. It'll get there. Oh, and I, well, I only ask out of purely selfish motivation because I love this film and I want to see whatever you're doing next. I know you worked on Marin as well. And I think that was an incredibly underrated show. Really loved it. I think that the arc of that story overall was really, really cool. So where I had it, I wasn't expecting. So fun show. Oh, thank you. Well, I love Mark and I sent him the movie. I hope, I hope he watches it. I think he would like it. Uh, yeah. Working with him was one of the big, big uh, treat, maybe treats now, but pleasures. Sure. Pleasures. Pleasure seems weird too. I don't know why. Uh, the wins. I don't know if my yeah career. Uh, yeah, no, he was because I was a fan beforehand, and and uh, writing with him since you're uh, since you're a fan and it's based on his life, it almost felt like you know fan fiction a little bit. Mm -hmm. He's such a great character who gets into conflict in uh, you know he just gets into conflict you know from cast in every situation. He goes into order coffee and there's conflict, and and that's obviously it's like such a, a gift for stories. So. Yeah, that was that was one I love as 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 well. Oh, well, he, he, it's um, it's one of those things where I think that the show sure. starts in one place where you kind of would, and it's it's a very entertaining show. It's a lot of fun. I had a great time with it. Where it is that um, I had that conflict, but what it builds to and the emotional arc of that made me realize he's a much better actor than I had any idea. So I was really impressed with him in the end. He's a great actor. And I think people, um, I think people often don't give credit to someone when they're playing a version of themselves. Yeah. Um, so he was on glow later, which I love. And he's so great in glow, but there was a review of glow, a very positive review. <laughs> and she, she wrote about like, yeah, Mark's so great in, in glow. And who knew what a great actor he was? And then the parenthetical, it was like, you know, he was on Marin, but you know, that was okay or something. She kind of like dismissed the show Marin a little bit, where I was like, ah, geez. I don't juice bomb. Come on. I mean, that? all the all those episodes up until that, I think he was it's not easy to play yourself. It's not something that's a given. I mean, especially if it's but where he goes with that character in that show of the the third season outside of that, and he's pulling into some real emotional stuff there that I think that isn't just surfacing. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I always, I always wanted, I haven't seen the bad guys, which I know he does one of the, is that the bad guys, right? Yeah. That's, that's one on my kids list that we need to see soon. I have a six year old and a 12 year old. So the bad guys is definitely wow. in the queue. So. Yeah. I've heard it's great. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, man. I, I can't tell you how much it means to me. I, I'm yeah. 
I try to thank artists when I can. And I just wanted to say thank you for this film because I think you really knocked it out of the park, man. Oh, I, I really appreciate that. Really, really, thanks for a very thoughtful, yeah, thoughtful analysis of it. And uh, yeah, and tweeting nice things about it. That's always nice. So um, yeah, keep in touch. Thanks for having me. This was a real, a real pleasure. There we'll it is again. Treat. And I had one last thing that was kind of the off, offhanded tangent that I have had yeah. in the back of my, you, you said you were from Boston. Did you live there until high school, college, or did you get out of there earlier? You know, I got out of there early, not not by choice. I mean, not by gunpoint either, but uh, I grew up right in the city. And then uh, my dad, I think maybe a little midlife crisis, maybe a little sick of driving in snow. We ended up moving to South Florida. Oh, wow. Uh, I went to high school down there. And then, but then I went back to Boston um, and lived there a couple, like maybe two or three years uh, after college. So it did kind of feel like home to me. Uh, so cumulative years, I guess I've lived there longer than Florida. So I usually say Boston. That makes yeah. sense. Um, the Middle East is closing is the reason I. Oh, I... No, that literally just came up last night. I'm going, uh, I'm actually going back East for a, a friend's wedding and he was a musician and we were talking about seeing him at the Middle East. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, what a bummer. Yeah, that, that I saw John Spencer. I, I lived in Delaware. So I saw a John Spencer blues explosion in 92, 93, something like that there. So that place has always had a special place in my heart. So I'm just, that's going to be a high rise now. It's mm. sad, but yeah, I know. I'm such an old man. Like all the guys, I mean, I, I live out here in Silver Lake in Los Angeles and I'm like, ah, you know, there used to be a couple music clubs around here. Most of them are closed. Well, not most of them. I guess I'm just thinking of the Silver Lake Lounge. But um, yeah, the Middle East. All right. Well, that's a bummer. I'm going to pretend I don't know that because I'm sorry. I'm never sorry. Been in the neighborhood probably for many years. I'll just pretend it's still there. It's better. It's better being that way. I mean, I was a Philadelphia guy. And as far as I'm concerned, the Trocadero will always be there no matter what happens. So there's these little places that are um, I wasn't a religious guy, but I think I have my version of temples and their music spaces and movie theaters usually. So I'm, I often feel the same way. Yes. A lot of our, our temples out here, we got the arc light, which is like the, the most yeah. used to go in the world that's closed. Hopefully it'll be open soon again. And then the Vista is my closest movie theater and Tarantino is, uh, renovating yep. that. Hopefully that'll be back, back yep. on soon enough. You have, uh, I think the odds are good on both those. They're not going away. They'll come back in some form or another for sure. Yeah, knock on wood. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Duncan. I really appreciate it, man. It was so nice to speak with you. Thanks for having me, Chris. I really appreciate it. Keep in touch. And uh, yeah, thanks for watching the movie. Thanks, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope
always crack.